Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. On this week's episode, your hosts Q and Jay dive into some of their favorite movies and hopefully talk about some of your favorites, too. Feel free to yell at your speakers when we ignore your favorites, or you could just tweet at us with your choices, like an adult. Now, let's join Q and Jay in the writer's room as they dive in. Fair warning. This podcast may contain spoilers for movies that came out 20 years ago, but at this point, that's really your fault. And now, on with the show. What up, Jay? Q, hey, hey, Q. Can you... Can you hear me all over the loud uh, metal music? I, I can, I can, I, I do. I'm sorry I was late. Um, I went to Spencer's Gifts first uh, and then got distracted. And then I came this way and then st- I thought you were at Box Lunch. But now I realize that you were inside the Hot Topic, so I apologize for being late. Here, thank you. I'm glad you walked around the, uh, the stand that you're in. Hot Topic is a very small store, so you kind of, we're just going to have to like stand in a, like, I, like in a line together and hope that nobody tries to get past us. Listen, I'm not going to lie. Uh, much of my high school wardrobe came from Hot Topic, sure. so I've spent a lot of time in this store. So you know I've, how to maneuver? I've never, no, I've never once been in a Hot Topic and not not ship shit off shelf. Perfect. Got it. It is impossible. Okay, okay. Like like this. Like this spiky armband right here. Yeah. I totally am going to knock this off. Uh, yeah. Well, you did, You already see when you walked around the corner, you already knocked four pairs of Doctor Who socks right off the display. <sighs> well, wait, wait. Were those Doctor Who socks next to the plush Totoro or were they next to the Beetlejuice book bag? They're actually right next to the Edward Scissorhands t-shirt rack that's got did, like seven different Edward Scissorhands shirts. I love the bit, but do you just said Edward Caesar hands? And now I'm imagining someone <laughs> with like Caesar salad hands. <laughs> it's like salad fingers. Do you remember that weird YouTube video, the viral what? video that was no. like salad fingers? It was like an animated character, and he had like weird. Long and he fingers. had salad fingers. He was he Edward Caesar hands? <laughs> he was Ed, he was the OG Edward Caesar hands. Either that, or just like it's a normal person named Edward, and for whatever reason, his hands are identifiably green. Yes. I don't that know, like, awesome. maybe he's hairless on the rest of his body, but then, like, has werewolf hands, and those are his Caesar hands. And you're like, ah, Greek hands. I, I, get, I get it. I'm going to demean a whole culture. Perfect. I got it. <laughs> um, so, so, um, so, wait, wait, wait. Are the Edward Scissorhands shirts you were just talking about above or below the old Metallica Tour t-shirt and the Pearl Jam offshoot off shirt? They're right next to all of the Nightmare Before Christmas busts. Okay, okay. Okay, so not near the pop vinyls, but right near all the ear gauges and earrings for men. Exactly. Okay. Right next to the patches and lapel pins. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned lapel pins because it's not a hot topic unless there are lapel pins. You're absolutely correct. So um, I say we high five and let people know why we're recording. Yeah, no, okay. okay, But wait, wait. Move move your arm to the right. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then we're going to have to... Wait, let this guy by. Hold on. He's, this guy... All right. Sorry. Yep. I'm sorry. 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 No, no. I'm not ready to check out. No. No, no. All right. Nope. Okay. Here. All right. So, ready? And... Hi. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Ready? 
we high five? High five! High five! High five! High five! High five, son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang it. Oh, man. Great. So... It's so nice of the manager to let us record here in the stock room instead. He did make me clean up all the stuff that we knocked off the shelves, though, which is fair. Let me be honest. That's totally fair. And are you surprised by the fact that there's not much more space, honestly, in the stock room than there is in the store? What I am more surprised by is that they also have a lot of stands full of shirts very close together, also set up in the stock room. Like, I'm currently sitting on a box of Stranger Things t-shirts, mm-hmm. but there are shirts everywhere. That is, that's true. You are not wrong. Uh, hot Topic, Strange World. And we decided to record in a Hot Topic because this world belongs to Tim Burton. <laughs> it really does. And honestly, weirdly enough, guys, you may think that's a joke, but really sit and think about it. I, I, I read a study recently. I think this was in the Washington Post. 85% of merchandise at a Hot Topic is related to Tim Burton somehow. That sounds legit. Fact check. I think so. I mean, a true fake news, I get it, but I really think that one's true. Yeah, Abraham that Lincoln feels, said that. That feels right and real. Yes, it totally uh, does. I mean, you got to think. Think of the movies that he's done. Uh, I've seen Nightmare Before Christmas merchandise, of course. You've seen Edward Scissorhands merch. Beetlejuice merch. Yep. Uh, Batman and Batman Bat- Returns. Batman 89. Batman Returns, you're right. Uh, what else we got from the old Burt Meister? Big Fish is probably not, in not there a somewhere. Not a lot of... Oh, Sweeney not, Todd. Well, I was actually going to say Todd not, for sure. Oh, Sweeney Todd, definitely. Not a lot of big fish merchandise. <laughs> not you know as what? much as there should be. You know what? Not a lot of big eyes. Big eyes merchandise. No. Nope. Non-existent <laughs> in a Hot Topic. <laughs> well, you know Hot Topic is big on Amy Adams. They're a big fan of all of right. her work. Big, big eyes merchandise went to Bed Bath & Beyond. That's where... You know what's Huge also big eyes not section. a lot of in, in, and not a lot of in the in the um, Hot Topic store. Not a lot of Disney's Dumbo merch. You're right. Nope. nope. Well, that's, to, that's I don't know why. To be fair, that, that was. To be fair, that movie is garbage. So <laughs> that you know what I think you hit on that's... why Q. I think that the, it's the fact that it's garbage is probably why there's not a lot of merch here. Oh, God, we, we didn't even talk about Corpse Bride merch. Oh, of course we got to have Corpse Bride merch. Uh, See, 85% Franken, of merch. Hot Topic merchandise is related to Tim Burton somehow. Uh, they should rename it to Hot Burton. Tim Topic. I do like that. Hot Burton sounds like a weird sexual position. It does. It's like, oh, dude. Oh, you know what? We totally got together last night and gave her a hot Burton. <laughs> they give her a hot Burton. <laughs> Sounds gross. That, that's the name of this episode, by the way. Hot Burton. <laughs> it's oh, for sure be. it is. We've got to lock that in right now. Hot Burton is it. the best. Hot Burton. The well, top a hot five Burton. Tim Burton <laughs> movies. It, no one has to look it up in our Urban Dictionary. A hot Burton, by the way, for everyone who doesn't know, is when you're, uh, you know, making intercourse in the missionary position, and when you're done, you just start talking about death for no reason. 
that's giving some that's giving somebody a hot burn. And then when they look over, your hair's all messed up and you're wearing eyeliner. And suddenly you're just like your your face has gone like super pale white. White. Super pale white, and then they, she turns the other way, and Johnny Depp's there. <laughs> I feel like the uh, Tim Burton's characters are so white that they need to be. You have to pronounce the H to describe how white they are. They are white, <laughs> white. <laughs> Tim Burton's characters are so white that it's racist. This <laughs> just by existing. Just I don't like I not not to any particular group, just to themselves. Right, <laughs> they're they themselves are racist against themselves, themselves that's how white for existing. Um, so we're we've decided to do this episode. Uh, so you so graciously acquiesced to my request to do it. Well, I mean, it does. It, it, it in all fairness, and and I know what you're about to talk about, and I, I we need to talk about it. But in all fairness, this is part of our "Here Comes Halloween" horror movie director series, and Tim Burton falls perfectly in line with that. So we haven't talked about Tim Burton, and there's another very special reason why today's episode is uh, focused around Tim Burton and Q. I will let you explain this because I Q. Got married yesterday. Yeah, you did. Congratulations, I, my man. On Halloween itself, on All Hallows Eve, the okay, spirits so gathered. If everybody, if everybody listening here is ever curious, hey guys, are you really the movie loving, weird, pop culture <laughs> nerds that you pretend to be on this podcast? Let's see some proof. Q, do you want to tell them? where your wedding was and what the theme was? Absolutely. So, uh, Haley and my wedding, not Gates of Haley Haley. No, no, but that's, that can be confusing, but it's not. But new Mrs. Broadnack Haley. Yes. Ooh. Uh, we got married at the Alamo Draft House. Fuck yeah, you did. Here in Omaha. And we got married not only just in the theater, but in a theater inside the Alamo Draft House. In front of a screening of Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. There it is. Okay, guys, please, please pay attention to this. Q and his lovely now wife Haley got married in front of Beetlejuice, the movie, at an Alamo draft house in a theater room, and Haley walked on stage to a song from Rocky Horror Picture Show. That is true, 100%. So, guys, never doubt our street cred ever again, or I'm going to send Q to kick you in the tard. That's, you got it. That's what's happening. Uh, we wore costumes. Uh, Haley, Haley was dressed as Tiffany, also known as the Bride of Chucky. Awesome. Um, she had some really cool heeled Doc Martens and a leather now, jacket. Now, did she do leather coat and all? Oh, yeah. Amazing. Full-on leather motorcycle jacket, fishnets. Love it. White wedding dress. Why wedding um, dress? <laughs> and she went blonde again for it. Did so, she really? Yeah, so she is oh. totally blonde. That's uh, a man. Black, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen her totally blonde. Yeah, she is totally blonde. Well, she still has so the darker roots, just like Tiffany. Just like but Tiffany. that is also Haley's style. So darker roots, but blonde ends. Um, oh, I love it. And then I wore uh, the maroon Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. <laughs> Wedding tuxedo, uh, complete with 
Uh, white shiny tuxedo loafers. I was about to say like ruffled shirt and everything. Ruffled shirt. Amazing. The whole the whole nine yards. Uh, and we got married in front of a movie party uh, of about forty guests that we invited, and about a hundred and forty strangers that had no <laughs> idea they were there for a wedding. The best. How many people walked out? Uh, about 140. <laughs> you know what? That's about what we expected. So, yeah. You and um, me guessed about that many. But we were able to lure them back in because right after the ceremony, they were all given wedding cupcakes. Amazing. The entire audience. Did they have, were they made with sand snake parts? They were, actually. Good. They were white cake with white icing and black sprinkles. Awesome. Because... Yep. Because, of course. Because why not, right? It's Beetlejuice. And then we had a reception in the bar afterwards with tables covered in candy and Halloween decorations. That's that's amazing. You ready for this? You know I work for a large-scale inflatables company as well. I do. We had a giant inflatable Frankenstein walking around taking pictures with people. That's That was your photographer? Yes. <laughs> and photographer. And all of our guests came in costume. That see that well that's uh, if you have a wedding on Halloween, you have to come to the wedding yeah. in costume. I think it's a rule now. Does, is the whole you can't wear white rule still applicable if you're coming in costume to a wedding? Where does that land, Q? Help help um, all the people that are very curious. If you're dressed as a ghost, yeah, you sure. should be white. Sure. If you're what not if a ghost, like though? I'm dressed as a bride from uh, Seven Brides and Seven Brothers. Yeah, that works. As long as totally. you can justify, you're like, 100%. I'm also going to wear a wedding dress, but I'm going to yeah. claim it's a costume. Exactly. I just yeah, really wanted totally... to marry Q today, that's but acceptable. this is just what I'm wearing. So check this out. We uh, Is that why no actually... one got mad that I was wearing a wedding dress at your it wedding? It is. Okay, it good. is why. Uh, we took it a step further, too, with theatricality because, you know, we're in a theater and well, we're of course. theatrical people. So um, we had a gigantic fog machine. Um, oh, awesome. With just a nice low laying level or layer of fog through the entire theater, but, um, oh, we Halloween. decorated the theater with spider webs and black and white streamers. And I love Halloween. Uh, right d- during the intro for the movie party, so I'm doing the normal intro, right? And behind me is a picture of the stage set from Beetlejuice the musical of the Maitland household prior to Beetlejuice taking over. Sweet. I finish the normal intro and then I say, it's showtime. And the background changes to the Beetlejuice version of the house. Sweet. And then I say, we're going to get married. And then people are like, what? What's happening? And then I'm like, where's my beautiful bride? Haley's Rocky Horror music uh, cues. Boom. She walks out, walks up, gets up to me. I'm like, can't have a wedding without somebody to officiate it. Anybody here ordained? Anybody? 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 (laughs) Audience is looking at each other confused. We have a friend dressed up as Weird Al in the front row. (laughs) Good. Okay, perfect. Uh, They raise their hand. I say, yes, Weird Al, are you ordained? And they say, why, yes, I am. And I say, well, get on up here. They come up. Weird Al tells a story about how they know me and Haley. Uh, Haley and I, uh, they were going to exchange vows. 
And when uh, we go to exchange the ring, right? Uh-huh. I do so by pulling out a fake finger out of my jacket. Perfect. I pull the ring off, and I give uh, it to Haley. Perfect. Uh-huh. Giving uh-huh. them a little preview of what they're about to see. Exactly. And then, yeah, we gave cupcakes to everybody, and we watched the movie. It's it was like, amazing. It's like everybody was there. Guys, the podcast listeners, Fivers, you all just went to Q's wedding. You're welcome. You're uh, welcome. And, and you cute. could have gone to my wedding. Anybody that purchased tickets to the 7 o'clock showing of Beetlejuice at the Midtown Alamo in Omaha also was buying tickets to Q's wedding. To my wedding. Uh, so, yeah, the, the it really was awesome. great bait and switch you guys have going on there at the Alamo Draft House in Omaha. It's like, come for the movie, stay for the nuptials. And cake. And cake, yes. And, and definitely, free cake. definitely free cake. Dude, um, it's it's amazing. When we'll you have pictures. When you have a Tim Burton-themed Burton wedding. It was just it felt so perfect. We'll have pictures uh, up at some point on the high five social. So you guys yeah, keep can watching check our it out. socials, guys. I'll, I'll share those. Um, um, but yeah, it was a magical time. And so to celebrate that and to end to cap off our here comes Halloween horror series, we've decided to do Tim Burton. I love it. So, guys, this episode of High Five Colon the Podcast brought to you by the Project Hyphen Nerd Podcast Network is a very special one. Uh, You've already been to a wedding, and we're about to spend the next little bit talking about Tim Burton, who we know is a favorite of yours because he's a favorite of ours. 100%. Now, can I ask you just right off the top, what was your very first experience with Tim Burton? And I don't mean like sexual Okay, do you want me to tell you my, like, third sexual experience yes. with him? Okay. Yes. My yes. first movie experience with him. Uh, honestly, this one's tough. I think my first experience was Batman 89. Okay. I truly think it was. But then again, I might be misremembering how early or when, in what order I saw Beetlejuice and Batman. It was one of those. Um, Edward Scissorhands came later for me. I know it's either usually Edward Scissorhands or um, or Beetlejuice, I think, that people start with. Um, sure. It also might have been, now that I really think about it, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It's I always forget that he directed Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And now it's kind of like a one you watch as a kid. It's one of those three. I'm going to say it's probably between Beetlejuice or Batman, but I can't remember exactly which one. I can tell you definitively, Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Batman happened simultaneously for me. You watched um, them at the exact same time? That's a yes. weird way to watch both those movies, by the way. That's how we do things in my household. Well, I mean, if anyone listened to last week's episode, then they know that we're planning on watching both Season of the Witches, uh, George A. Romero's weird version, and Nicolas Cage's even weirder version at the same time to honor this method of movie watching that your household had growing up. That's a new thing we're encouraging, mashup movie watching. Yeah. Picture it's in a picture, thing, bitches. People. Check it out. It's going to be um, a thing. So will you, what do you mean simultaneously? Like the same like weekend? in the same year. Like okay. they both happened for me back to back. Pee-wee's because growing up I was a huge Pee Wee Herman fan. Like, I had the pull string doll 
and everything. Pee Wee's Playhouse was amazing. Like I had, I had the pull string doll as well. Oh man, that thing was so creepy. It was like so close to a ventriloquist doll, but not a ventriloquist doll. Exactly. Um, but I loved Pee Wee's Playhouse. Just I wanted to go there. I wanted to live there. Um, it, I. I'm positive I watched that show before I saw the movie, but again, I don't know the timeline. Right, my, my I get memory that. of being a kid is very hazy. And then my memory of Batman is weirdly enough, Large Marge from Pee Wee's Big Adventure didn't. This scare is still me. the scariest thing that I've ever seen in my life. It You're didn't right. scare me, but what? for some reason, insane. no. Hear this, yeah, and maybe I am insane for this. What really fucking terrified me was. Uh, spoiler alert, the scene in Batman where Jack Nicholson's Jack Napier falls into the vat of acid. Okay, that is pretty scary. And a human being falling into acid, yeah. His hand comes back up. Oh, and it's all like, fuck, dude, like with the gloves all messed up and shit. The, okay, that's the thing though. When I was a kid, somehow I remembered it as his hand is like super gory and like fucked up. Oh, like so is... you didn't see it as like the green glue eating through a glove. It nope. was like skin and bone is what you yes. would imagine. And I was like, oh my God, that's so fucked up and gross If that and had gory been in that movie, that had been so dark. <laughs> and so legitimately for years after seeing this movie, <laughs> I would fast forward through that part. Because I'd, well, you're like, listen, I like Batman '89, but I don't need the Evil Dead scene that they just snuck in there. Right. So not until many years later, when I was like a teenager, did I watch it again. Like that scene included, and I remember being like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> It's Wait. literally just his normal-ass hand that is now white, his fingernail is darker, and the glove is shredded. All of a sudden, you're thinking, you're like, wait a minute. Did George Lucas get his hands on this? Did he I did! Really? Like, the hand comes up and it's holding a, a, a walkie-talkie. <laughs> That's exactly it. It was a weird man, mandala or Mandela yeah. effect for me. Like, it was one of those, like, Berenstein, Berenstain bears. Like, I was like, you know, dude, I did can, I misremember this my entire life? I can totally uh, relate to that, because for the longest time, I thought Sinbad was the Joker in this movie. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. That was, that was a, a Just like in thing. Kazam, Kazam and Shazam. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm referencing. Um, uh, hey, which I, was although, the real movie? Was it Kazam or Shazam? It's Kazam because Shazam is um, the newer one. The Zach Zach. Okay, Levi so Kazam movie? is with Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal, not okay. Sinbad. Okay, got it. Or wait, is it Sinbad and everyone thinks it's Shaquille O'Neal? No, it's Shaquille O'Neal. It's Who totally knows? Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Damn it, Mandela! Damn it! Who knows what's real and what's not? So hey. So let's talk about Tim Burton. Let's um, yes. let's do what we do with all of our director retrospectives. Let's go retrospectives. <laughs> oh shit! Trademark high five podcast. Boom! Directrospectives, directrospectives. It's ours now. You can't use it. Um, I think that's how that works. Uh, it does. Although, okay, I do. I do have to say this. A lot of the times, I don't just like bring up Wikipedia stuff, but I was reading about Tim Burton in preparation for this episode and found sure. out something that is so fitting that I had to tell you and make sure that you knew about it. D did you know what Tim Burton's mom did when he was growing up? 
I'm just gonna guess. Let me guess. Okay. I don't know. Um, was she involved with like funeral parlors? <laughs> no, but that's very uh, my girl esque and uh, fitting. But it's not that. She, okay. she owned a cat themed gift shop. What? Yeah. Like, it was a gift shop where all the gifts and tchotchkes in the store were themed around cats, and there were cats in it. Of course. She exactly. He, like, grew up in Burbank, California, and that's what his mom did, and his dad, like, worked for the Parks and Rec Department or something. Fucking strange, man. But, yeah, like, okay, Tim Burton grew up with a mom who owned a cat-themed gift shop. Yeah, of course he did. Of course he did. Because why wouldn't he? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't get hair like that by accident. For sure. It's from using I don't a know what brush. that has to do with cat-themed gift shops, cat. but you don't get hair like that by accident. It's because his mom used to lick his head clean, and so it just, like... <laughs> <laughs> yes, whether that's true or not, that's totally it, and right now I'm currently updating Wikipedia to say that. <laughs> that's, how his, that's why his hair is like that. Yeah, due to his mom's obsession with cat-themed culture, she cleaned his hair from ages 2 to 17 with her tongue, giving him the, st the look that is fa he is famous for now. His famous fright wig-style hair. <laughs> also known as the hot pretty... burden. <laughs> that seems pretty legitimate, if you ask me. I think part of the hot burden is you have to have your pubes all be like his hair. <laughs> Just sticking straight out. Just like wonky and straight out, yeah. Or or uh, married <laughs> oh, to man. what's her name? What's what's Helena his wife? Bottom Helena Carter. Bottom Carter. Yep, there it is. Yeah. Yep. Your Although they're not married, married anymore, they are. They Carter. are. <laughs> but I believe they still live together. Well, in order to actually, <laughs> they probably do. They're probably like that. I bet Angelina Jolie lives there too with her brother's blood vial. Um, they're all fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> that was so aggressive. But in order earlier, I have to amend my earlier statement. In order to give a true hot Burton, you actually have to be sleeping with Helena Bonham Carter at the time. Got it. Did you say Helena Bonham Carter? That's the only way to give a hot Burton. Yeah, and at the and at the end, you just have to yell Frank and Weenie. <laughs> it sounded like you said Helena Bottom Corner. <laughs> No, no one puts Helena in the bottom corner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. All right, I feel like I'm getting slap I happy. Hate all I'm post-marriage slap no, happy. That, that, no, this is, this is good. This is good. This is where, this is what we do, man. This is where the magic happens. This is, this is exactly <laughs> where the magic happens. Actually, some there, of that happened in, um, in, uh, well, actually, most of his movies have magic. I was just going to reference, like, one of his movies with magic, but they kind of <laughs> a bunch have magic. They, they all have magic. So speaking of his movies, let's get to it. Uh, let's do it, man. So let's start off. So in the ripe old age of 1985. He was got, 1985 years old? Y yeah, he was. In the year uh, of our Lord. He got his directorial debut. His directorial debut, mind you is none other than Pee-wee's motherfucking big adventure. Exactly. That's your debut? That's where you start. That's where do you great, go from honestly. there? You go to a lot of places, actually. You go to Disney, one. Um, 
But man, yeah, okay. <laughs> Pee Wee's Big Adventure, awesome. Fun little cool fact that I read about this. Do you do you did you read how he got the job as the director for Big uh, for Pee Wee's Big Adventure? I did not. Paul Rubens saw the short film Frankenweenie that got him fired from Disney, and Paul Rubens was so impressed that he made him the director of his movie. What? Yeah, like Paul Rubens, Pee Wee himself. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, Because Tim Burton, for the longest time, he went to, like, you know, the Southern California arts or California Cal arts, I think is where he went. And a lot of famous people have come from there, but he got a job at Disney and he was like an art director and an animation lead for like, uh, man, what did he work on? I know he worked on the black cauldron and a handful of others, but he started directing his own movies with Disney's stuff. And one of them was Frankenweenie and Disney thought it was so dark and not aimed at children that they fired him because they're like, listen, you just don't work at Disney. And he, and that short Paul Rubens got a hold of it and that's what got him the job at for Pee Wee's Big Adventure that's crazy isn't that cool though that is cool we need to just start sending all of our spec stuff to Paul Rubens he gets stuff made when he's not you know well I'm not going to reference him jerking off in a movie theater Um, (laughs) even though I just did it's probably best left, you know, not talked about the fact that he whacked off at a movie theater. Yeah. Well, a por- let's be let's be fair. A porn movie theater. Let's also be fair. What else are you supposed to do in a porn movie theater? Exactly. It's not like he was like jerking off to Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That'd have been weird. Ex- that would have been weird. Uh, so <laughs> moving on. <laughs> but I'm okay. You, but you're a Pee-wee's- before we move on though. You're a big fan of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, yeah. right? Okay. I, I, I mean, it was just one of those, I like, am. seminal kid adventure movies, I feel like. I would absolutely agree with that statement, 100%. Um, it was a – it took what I knew about Pee-wee, uh, thanks to Pee-wee's yes. Playhouse, and it expounded on it. It brought him into – I almost said the real world, but his version of the <laughs> world in that movie is definitely – Still not the real world. It's a very heightened, cartoony version of a real world. Well, it's closer. One of the things I like about that movie, especially as his directorial debut, is that it does sort of set the stage for the heightened, cartoony worlds that he will then create. Because, I mean, I'm sure this movie was led primarily by Paul Rubens and what he wanted, and... Tim Burton gave it like a, a tone and a feel, but the ones that he creates later, you can feel parts of this in there, for sure. You can. Oh, I, I one hundred percent agree with that. Absolutely. So yeah. So next up, we have 1988's Beetlejuice. Which okay. Two out of the gate. Clearly, I have an affinity for. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. You. You certainly do. Uh, back to back classics, right? Uh, yeah. Beetlejuice. You've got the incomparable Michael Keaton. You've got Alec Baldwin in a very non-racist role, which is we- which is weird for him. He usually doesn't accept those kind of roles, but he really he really acted his ass off in Beetlejuice to make me like him as a person. Exactly. You've got uh, Gina Davis. You've got Winona Ryder. I mean, this is like a real all-star cat. I think don't Winona forget Catherine Ryder. O'Hara. Well, of course, you've got. Uh, Jeffrey, what's his name? Devil Jones. Jones. Yeah, that guy's a creep and a half. 
Yeah, that dude, he's a child molester. Uh, yeah, he's like, like that's where the half comes in. Greek yeah, and it. a half. Unfortunately, he was in many of my childhood favorite movies. I know, like, stay tuned. He's the devil in that one. Yeah. And it's very good. And, and he and mom he, and dad save the world. He is. The isn't, universe. isn't he the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I think so. I think so. I think he is. I get him every now and then I will get roles that Jeffrey Jones plays confused with roles um, that Michael McKeon plays. Uh, because for whatever oh, yeah. reason, I think in the 80s and early 90s, they looked very similar and were in similar type movies. Sure. So sometimes I'm not sure if it's a Michael McKeon role or a Jeffrey Jones role. And I'm pretty sure Ferris Bueller is Jeffrey Jones. Yep, it was Jeffrey Jones. Okay, He's woo, also good. in Howard the Duck. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So all around. Was he guy, all the Jeffrey molesty Jones. parts of Howard the Duck? He was. Okay, he was, great, all, he was the one who insisted that duck boobs be in the script. That's very fitting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like that's true. I mean, Beetlejuice is one that, uh, going back to Beetlejuice, is one that I watched religiously as a kid. Like, I don't know if I saw it first, but I saw it a, sh- a shit ton. And I'm very happy now that our daughter, who is four, oh, excuse me, also loves that movie. Like, I get to watch it now because she loves it. She's like, is he about to turn into that snake? I'm like, yeah, he is. It's great. It is great. And it spawned maybe one of my favorite animated series uh, when I was growing up, the Beetlejuice, the animated series. I thought you were going to say Gargoyles. But, yeah, Beetlejuice was also very good. Beetlejuice, (laughs) the animated series, is almost what I remember more than the movie sometimes. For sure. Lots of people do. It is very different Beetlejuice. Yes, oh, for sure. Very different character, very different like setup. He's always uh, wearing that striped suit in the in he, the he in is. the cartoon, and he's nice. He's like Lydia's friend. Yeah, it, well, he's as her opposed, ghost buddy, as opposed to being like a demon who wants to marry an underage bride. <laughs> exactly, it's slightly less creepy in the cartoon. It is You're right, slightly less creepy. Did you uh, see? And also- I recently. Oh, sorry. Right. I was going to say, did you see Reese around this time with Beetlejuice? He also directed an episode of that Shelley Duvall's fairy tale theater that we love. I didn't. That is not on the list that I'm looking at. But he directed the Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp episode of Shelley Duvall's fairy tale. That fairy tale theater is just the gift <coughs> that keeps on giving. Shelley Duvall did something great for us. She really did. She gave us a Jeff Goldblum performance. <laughs> it's it's just to rock to rock the world, man. <laughs> Um, um, I'll have to see his Aladdin. I wonder if like they all die and then go to the underworld. <laughs> Probably. I bet the part of it's in claymation. Probably. Um, so we've got Beetlejuice now. Surely, right after this, I mean, he's got two just breakout hits. He's surely got a dud in him, right? He can't do it again, right? Like his third Definitely. movie has to be weak. I mean, his third movie is 1989's. Batman <laughs> atrocity an atrocity <laughs> nobody Dude. nobody liked that movie nobody saw it it was a huge flop huge huge flop Dude uh, I, the, the fact that he is the guy who directed Pee-wee's Big Adventure Beetlejuice and Batman one is impressive enough the fact that he directed them all back to back is insane Yeah Batman set the standard for what a superhero movie could and would be moving forward. I mean, and I know right now we all use the Nolan verse, especially for Batman, on like what a Batman movie looks like, but 
in the zeitgeist and in our mind, it's always Jack Nicholson somewhere in there. Like, Michael Keaton's version of Batman and Jack Nicholson's version of the Joker are just embedded in the zeitgeist and the Batman lore. I mean, I remember reading something about, uh, and we'll get to Batman Returns, but the, the choices he made for Batman Returns changed the character of the Penguin in the comics going forward. Like, he, he added stuff to these legends and lore that we just all accept. The, I can't tell you how many people I've met that think that the Joker's Jack Napier is who shot um, Bruce Wayne's parents in the alley because of this movie. They think like that's what the comic story is. And it is not. It is not. That happens in no other property except the Burton movie. Exactly. He, but, well, that was also a time, too, when the internet didn't exist. Yeah. So there was no way for fans to get outraged online. Now, having said that, though, not to interrupt you, the fans, I remember, or I remember they reading about... They did get about, outraged. Yeah, the Michael Keaton casting infuriated people but Tim Burton was convinced that you didn't need a beefcake as Batman because Bruce Wayne was supposed to be a normal dude with beefcake money for sure and it worked man it worked Michael Keaton is so good and so if you haven't seen Batman 89 Batman go see it immediately and also uh, how are you still listening to our podcast at this point like we've referenced it a million times you're terrible get out of here get out of here but stick around for the rest of this episode because it's going to get really good Definitely. So we gotta we gotta get trucking. We've got we're about forty five minutes into this episode, and unless we want a two and a half hour episode, which oh we, we don't, don't. But I think the back half of Burton's collection is gonna go pretty fast. Yeah. So the next the next one we've got right after this has once to be again, a dud. Has, has to, to be, be a dud, right? He's on his fourth film. No way that he's no way. still cranking out hits. Tell uh, me it's a tell me it's a dud. Q, tell yeah, me. It was 1990s Edward Scissorhands. Do you Perfect. even know what that is? Did you ever have you ever heard of that movie? Never never even heard of it. Yeah. I'm sure it's probably I don't know, somebody that like tapes scissors to their hands or something. Probably. I think it was actually the original script of Nightmare on Elm Street. Um and, yeah. And so but they just re reused it now. Freddy knife hands. Yeah. Freddy got knife fingered. Um, right. is, uh, is, is with, with the original title of that movie. Um, but I mean, uh, what was I going to say? I was going to make another joke. Oh no, I was going to say, I, I don't know this one, but I'd know Edward Caesar hands. That joke kind of fell flat cause I announced that I was going to do it, but I was going to make a, a, a callback. Got it. That's what I was going nice. to do right I'm there. I'm sure, I'm sure the listeners appreciate that. They're all laughing. They're laughing their asses off. Uh, so Edward Caesar hands, man, once again, reuniting. Reuniting with uh, Winona Ryder. Right. And introducing Johnny Depp. Yeah. Who's that? Uh, well, I think they've worked together again. Ah, oh, got it. A couple okay, times, yeah. maybe? A couple times, yeah. Uh, Edward Scissorhands. Man, what a weird fairy tale of a movie. Now, here's one thing that I admire. Beetlejuice, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Edward Scissorhands. Batman, not so much. But... <laughs> sure. Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, Pee-wee's Big Adventures. And honestly, even if we just go with Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands, two incredibly original films. Oh, yeah. Like, these aren't adaptations. These aren't, you know, um, some sort of, like, continuation of a story. This it's not is not a, a, a property that had existed anywhere else. These are IPs. Created from the ground up, thanks to the vision of Tim Burton. And 
man, are they rock solid. Like, just, they they work on every level. I mean, and Beetlejuice, I mean, uh, Edward Scissorhands, uh, and we can talk about Edward Scissorhands a little bit. This is one that I was kind of obsessed with as a kid. Just the idea of the idyllic Pleasantville-esque neighborhoods and him doing the... Uh, the, the topiary animals and giving everybody, you know, haircuts and stuff. But, like, I remember feeling like I should have been afraid at so much of that movie but not being afraid. The, the thing that still uh, gets me to this day is when he's putting his knife hands through the clay hands that Vincent Price makes him. That scene always scares me a bit. Yeah. But other than that, like, I feel like I should be scared the whole time, but I never really am. It's just sort of beautiful. I 100% agree with that. Um, Like, I think Edward Scissorhands is one of those movies, and for me, it kind of perfectly encapsulates the Tim Burton vision because it's darkly beautiful. And that's sort of what I think of when I think of him working at his best. It's a dark fairy tale. Yeah. I I would agree with that. It was ready-made and packaged for Hot Topic. <laughs> it was. Hot Topic was born out of the uh, love of Edward Scissorhands. It was. Uh, so he follows Edward Scissorhands up. Finally, this guy has to make a shit movie, right? You can't have five, like, just gold standards in a row. Right. So he, Hit me with he the does. Dunk. He shits the bed with uh, 1992's little-viewed little movie Batman Returns. Good lord in heaven. Five in a row. Seriously. This dude... This dude is crushing in Hollywood. Uh, and this may be a uh I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I don't and I don't know how you'll feel about this. Batman Returns, I may like it better than Batman. Oh no, Batman Returns is definitely better than Batman 89. Oh, okay, cool. So we're on the same page. I really thought what? that you would have been an 89 guy all the way. I oh thought, no, no, no. I'm a 66 dude all the way. Well, I, sure. I knew that. But like I knew no, that. That's Batman no Returns there. is hands down a better more fleshed out movie. It than, is so good than the original Batman. I mean, you cannot get better than Michelle Pfeiffer and his view, his vision of Catwoman. Well, her per- poor portrayal and his vision together, it it was just like the perfect alchemy. Now, the one thing I will say about uh, Batman Returns, in as much as I love him, I don't know if you needed the sh- the Schlett character. Max Shrek, the I don't know if you Christopher needed him. Walken. Yeah, I well, I love Christopher Walken. I want him in the movie, but I'm not sure if you need all three of those people as villains, villains, if you will. You don't really, you don't really. But to be fair, I don't know that I would consider Max Shrek really a villain in that movie. I mean, he's so dwarfed by Penguin and re- Catwoman. That he, he becomes is, I, almost like the comedic relief of villains. Yeah, that's still kind of problematic. But I guess, I don't know. But, that, I mean, the movie on a whole is a gem. Like, it's so, like, Danny, it's one of the first times I really noticed Danny DeVito because Taxi was before my time. And, you know, he, he is obviously an actor who has been around for a long, long time. But it was Batman Returns where I was like, this guy, I recognize this guy now. Like, I will always dis- recognize him now. I mean, he disappeared into that character. It's oh, it was crazy. And the makeup job. Didn't they win an Oscar for makeup or something? For, I know he's won a handful of makeup and effects Oscars. I believe they win? were nominated, okay. but I don't know if it won. Man, it was. it's just the the uh, the Oswald Cobblepot 
costume character design is so good in that movie. So good. Batman Returns, amazing. Yep. Gold star from the high five, guys. So, after Batman Returns, now I know most listeners are going to be going, yeah, he did Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, wrong. we're we're here to dispel this right here and now. So, guys, listen up. Put your listening ears on. We're going to fix this for you. Tim Burton did not, and I repeat, did not direct The Nightmare Before Christmas. He did not. Now, Q, he was involved with it, though. He was. He was a producer, and it it, it was based on characters and a story that he had come up with. But he, wasn't he up for the job of directing it, and then he took something else? Um, he, from my understanding... I think it was he, Batman Returns. He, yeah, it was simultaneous. Okay. But... He also didn't have experience with stop-motion animation. Right. Uh, it may have been a little gun-shy because that's what got him fired from Disney. And so it was directed by the stop-motion animation great Henry Selick. Who yes. also did Coraline. Yep. People will know him from. Didn't uh, he do James did, and the Giant Peach too? <laughs> he sure did. Um, and he has a very similar visual aesthetic style yeah. to Tim Burton. And a connection to Danny Elfman. So it's a yeah, absolutely that they Danny both Elfman's share involved in all the good stuff and Oingo Boingo, um, <laughs> which is the good stuff. Exactly. So Nightmare Before Christmas, we're going to skip because it was not directed by him. It was directed by Henry Selick. Uh, next up in 1994, we have Ed Wood. Now, this is a movie I don't think a lot of... Well, I hope a lot of people have seen it. I love this movie. But I don't hear a lot of people talking about it as much as I feel like it deserves. So, for those who don't know who Ed Wood is, Ed Wood was the director who did Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, A famously terrible director. (laughs) Someone may say... Or some may say, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space is known as the worst movie ever made. Yes. But Ed Wood was like a recognizable personality in Hollywood and had a very interesting story around creating what he thought were great horror movies. And Tim Burton, this is why I love Ed Wood, is because Tim Burton basically made a love letter to 1950s horror movies. And I love that whole era. Like everything, like the Bela Lugosi stuff, um, again, Johnny Depp, again, delivering a wonderful performance as the titular Ed Wood. But it's almost like a biopic, but done in a Tim Burton style that's a love letter to horror movies and old Hollywood. And Agreed. all of that, to me, is just just candy. It's done in black and white. Yes. It's, it's a fantastic movie. If you have not seen Ed Wood, we highly recommend that you go see Now, it. I think it was a box office flop so this could technically be considered his dud but yeah uh, as uh, i understand it it's a very well-regarded cult classic at this point yeah budget was 18 mil it only made 5.9 ouch Mm -hmm. so this would be his financial failure of a movie following on the heels of his very well received previous films. <laughs> the uh, six previous or five? One, two, three, four. So five, yeah. he follows that up with maybe one of my like schlocky B movie favorite movies of all time. Uh huh. Mars Attacks. It's also 96. one of mine. Like it is. 
And I don't want to say it's like a hate love situation, but there is something about that movie that I just adore. And it may be the the how well he captures the pulp aspect of it, but yeah. it's just it's ridiculous. It's nonsensical. Jack Nicholson is like three or four different characters for no reason. <laughs> for no reason. And it's, it's like Jack Black makes a weird like early early Jack Black appearance. It's just I mean the cast is bonkers. stacked. Oh, I mean, it's bonkers. Jack Nicholson, Glenn Close, Annette Bening, Pierce Brosnan, Danny DeVito, Martin Short, Sarah Jessica Parker, Michael J. Fox, Tom Jones, <laughs> Natalie Bortman. I mean Come and on, introducing man. Jack Black. <laughs> right. This this shit is crazy. It um for me this movie is so bizarre and so fun, but what what kind of killed it for me unfortunately was it almost felt like Tim Burton discovered something which I personally feel would become the bane of his career moving forward, oh. which is Tim Burton discovered CGI. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see where and, you're going with this. And when he discovered CGI, he stopped focusing on practical effects, which were, I would say, very heavily part of the appeal and the tactile feel yeah. of his previous films. Well, everything about you know, well, Batman Returns and Batman, are, you know, set design is out of this world. But Beetlejuice and um, Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands are almost defined by their look and feel and how real and tactile they are <coughs> while feeling off from the real world. Like, Mars Attacks, he tried to set it in the real world with cartoony characters, and he got the pulp aspect of the story perfect. But I agree with you. The CGI is, is dated, you can tell. But man, if you're you're not wrong. This is kind of where he starts using that CGI, and I do think he relies on it too heavy, especially little, so, coming up here in much. about five or six years after Mars Attacks. Yep. So after directly after Mars Attacks, he directs something that I, if I'm being totally honest, is maybe a guilty pleasure film for me. Yeah. And that is Sleepy Hollow. Uh, Another Johnny Sleepy Depp. Hollow came out in 99, and I love this movie. I am lukewarm on it. I don't have any animosity towards it. I remember watching it and being like, oh, I like that. And I just, I've never really felt the desire to go back to it too much. I saw sure. it a couple years ago and felt basically the same way. I was like, this is good. It's good. It's fine. Now, I dig what he did with the story. It kind of felt like a new version of the story I liked. I don't know. It just never. You get never Christopher Walken as the me. headless horseman. Oh yeah, well yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. <clears throat> yeah. It just never uh, made that top echelon for me. I don't know why. I get that. I love it. It's one of my guilty pleasure ones. I visit. I visit it every Halloween. Um, I need. I probably need to revisit it and actually pay attention. I should. It's worth a rewatch. I'll give it a shot. Um. But he follows it up with something that is not worth a rewatch. It is a movie that I saw in the theater and was fucking just wrecked by. And that was 2001's Planet of the Fucking Apes. So what do you which, think about this movie, Q? Dude. <laughs> All right, uh, me... here's the deal. Planet of the Apes, don't get me wrong, some cheesy-ass movies, okay? First one written by my idol, 
Rod Serling. Yes. Okay. Cheesy movies, but they were great. I was a big fan of the original 70s uh, Planet of the Apes films. The original one is amazing. I kind of fall off after that. I don't mm, dislike them, but some of them every are... subsequent one gets a little further away from me wanting to it watch does. it. It does. But I will tell you this. None of them are as bad as Planet oh, of the God, Apes. Oh, God, no. No, no. All, like, eight of the originals are better. I, I, I'm with you. I saw this in the theater. I remember me and my dad went and saw this in the theater, and it was one of those, okay, Planet of the Apes has a has a special place in my in my memory. Do you want to know why, Q? Why is that? Because I I have a vivid memory of being excited to go see this because it was Tim Burton. There were actors in it, you know, Paul Giamatti's in it and Mark Wahlberg is in it. It was Planet of the Apes, a remake, and Charlton Heston was rumored to cameo in it. So I was excited about this movie. And this is one of the first times I can remember going to the theater, watching a movie, and wanting so badly to like it. I wanted to give it every benefit of the doubt because of all the people involved with it, and I still walked out of it hating the movie's guts, and it almost turned me off of Tim Burton. (coughs) Which is weird because he had a string of like eight movies before that that I all like. And this one was so bad it nearly turned me off of him. Well, this is the beginning of the end. It really, it really I, is. I hate, I hate to say that, but the 2000s have not been good creatively to Tim Burton. With, with one a exception. Couple that, exceptions. With, that I would we'll say get to. two. I would say three exceptions. Okay. Uh, I, looking at yes, I would say at least three, and then some mediocre ones. One, one that is a big exception for me, and I'm gonna go ahead and show my cards here. I think maybe one of the best films in his pantheon of films comes next after Planet of the Apes, and that is 2003's Big Fish. This is a favorite of mine, too. You played your cards, I'll play mine. Of his movies, I think this is the best film he's ever made. I would absolutely agree with that. I think story-wise, mm-hmm. character-wise, um, it is definitely the best film. I would almost say and maybe argue outside of his attempt at one in Big Eyes, I would almost say it is the closest to being a straightforward film that he has made. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I would agree with that 100%. And I just, like, very few movies make me cry, like, just get super emotional but Big Fish is one that I cannot get all the way through without getting choked up, um, without like getting really emotional about it. There, he just directed the shit out of that movie. It's got some really good performances. You got Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Um, you've Before got Steve, a lot of people, I would say, were placing him with stuff. We're hip. We're hip to Ewan McGregor. Um, you got Danny DeVito in there again. <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Oh, great, Steve Buscemi. Um. You've got some really, really good, really solid performances, some great visuals. Uh, the Town of Spectre is always something. Now, that no. exists, by the way. Oh, really? Um, that set still exists. Oh, that's cool. You can actually go visit it. I want to like say it's in Georgia. Like with the shoes Ge- hanging and everything? Yep. I want to say it's in Georgia. Um, you know our our friend of the show, Chris Hamer. Our, yeah, yeah, definitely. Our comic book artist. 
Yeah. He um he recently took a trip through there and sent me some photos from it. That's awesome. Um, I need to go find that. I'm I'm down near Georgia. I'm gonna go find that place. Yeah, the set is still there, so you can go by and I'm, check I'm it going. out. Um, I love that movie. I just like top to bottom, <laughs> I think it's nearly a perfect film. Big Fish is is definitely, definitely, definitely a high recommend. Um very quickly after that comes another movie that I absolutely don't recommend at all. Okay, good. I was wondering where you were going with that. Nope, and that would be Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And man, everything about this movie and this story, like Roald Dahl story, futuristic fantasy that has some dark element, like in Tim Burton, it should work. Uh, Johnny Depp was in it again. Everything, in my opinion, should have worked. And it every step of the way, it does not. It the entire movie feels like a huge miscalculation. Yes, yes, it really does. Like I can tell that a lot of thought went into the design. I can tell that Johnny Depp was trying to do something. I, I can see where Tim Burton was trying to get his hands into the material, but man, every scene is miscalculated somehow. Every exactly. single one of them. And that's I think that's the best way to describe that movie. And his reliance on CG for this movie was hugely problematic for me. Yeah. There are so many things that could have been done practically that just weren't for whatever reason. A, a very specific example is why were all of the Munchkins the same person? Why were they all Deep Roy, the actor yeah. Deep Roy? Yeah. I don't know. Like, you don't need that. You don't need that. It's unnecessary. <coughs> oh, that one, yeah, that one was a huge letdown for me because I was like, oh, I like the original a lot. I mean, the original Willy Wonka is amazing. But, the, you know, the idea of, oh, well, Tim Burton's going to do a dark version, a darker version of that based directly off the Roald Dahl book starring Johnny Depp. It's like, okay, you get a lot of thumbs up from me on the treatment of that beforehand. But when I went and saw exactly. it in the theater, I walked out just upset at how much I didn't like it. But then you've got, in the same year, he tries to win us back with The Corpse Bride. And it almost does. That one I like. Almost does. Pretty good movie. Uh, that one I animation. a lot. Yep. This time he's directing. Yep. And once again, starring Johnny Depp. My, and Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> yep. Well, they're, they're an item at this point. Oh, they are so, at this point? Oh, yeah, they, they, they got together point. in, like, 2001. I think they got yep. together during Sleepy uh, after Hollow. After Planet, Planet of the, the Apes. Apes. Okay, yeah. Yep. Well, she saw um, the movie and was like, he needs some support. Yeah, I need to be with him. I he needs want some that. help. He needs somebody here. Uh, Corpse Bride, pretty good. Not a lot I to like say Corpse about Bride. it. I mean, it's, it's, his, it's his art style brought to life via right. Now, I will say, I read an interesting thing about this movie that I didn't know until a couple days ago. Did the he worked with Tom Selleck or not Tom uh, Henry Selleck Henry not Tom Selleck. Selleck he he worked with Henry Selleck to make it and contracted the group that would then become Leica to do oh, this movie with interesting. Him. so like the production people and the claymation people all that group they later formed the company Leica after they had been group contracted to do this project with Tim Burton. Interesting. Very so, whereas interesting. Coraline and Henry Selleck are the original start, or they're the original start of Leica, aren't they? Yeah, Coraline? they were the first Leica yeah. film. This, th they all worked together on Corpse Bride and then started Leica. 
Fascinating. Which I thought was neat. I thought that, that was is fun. Neat. That is but neat. I would say this would be a, one of the exceptions <coughs> to his cursed 2000s. Yep. And next up, honestly, for me, if we're being honest, is another one for me. I yeah. first watched... We've got Sweeney Todd in 2007. I first watched Sweeney Todd... The Demon Barber and, of Fleet Street. And didn't care for it. Then about a year or two later, I revisited it and enjoyed it very much. So, I'm kind of the same same story for me. Uh, Sweeney Todd, the, I don't know what I was expecting when I first watched it, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Agreed. And I think that that disconnect kind of put me off on the movie, but then when I went back later and watched it with no thoughts whatsoever of what it could be, I very much enjoyed what was there. Sure. Agreed. Um, there are some strange stylistic choices. Uh, all the blood in this movie, for some reason, is very orange-hued. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's very, like, oddly colored. So it makes the gore scenes almost kind of, like, weirdly otherworldly. Like, Yeah, almost like a Quentin end. Tarantino blood, but, like, not done with for the same reasons. Right, not done with it. Yeah, exactly. Not done under the tutelage of Quentin Tarantino. Now, do you think he did that to, like, make it seem more like what you could do in a stage play? I'm going to be honest. I have a feeling it has to do with the rating. Oh, really? I feel like, because um, you, you know that that's why Quentin Tarantino did that, uh, the black and white scene with yes. the Crazy 88. Yes, because, because there was so much blood that it, it, it was going to get an NC, get rating. Yeah, it was going to get an NC-17 rating. I have That's, a feeling, because there is a lot of blood, especially in the third yeah. act of Sweeney Todd. There's a lot of, like, brutal deaths. You know, and, I bet you're right. I bet you're right. And I have a feeling they went back and they're like, if we color correct this, like, a shade off of what blood actually looks like. Right. It won't be flagged. Right. It won't get flagged. I bet, I bet you're right. Um, that was yeah. my immediate thought. So... I think that also hurts it in the fact that I could tell that it didn't feel like a creative choice. Yeah. It felt like a, well, this is a way around something. Right. Now, to that movie's credit, though, a lot of practical effects in that movie. A lot. And I that's something I very much appreciate. Um, a lot of practical effects. A lot of good practical effects. Which he then completely abandons for his next movie, which needed a whole lot more deaths in oh a God. la Sweeney Todd. Dude, 2010's Alice in Wonderland made me want to stick forks in my eyes. I did actually stick forks in my eyes, which is why I'm blind now. Got it. Perfect. Well, it, you are winning in this scenario. Yeah. Because well, good. that Alice was like halfway Wonderland, through the movie. I didn't even see the end. Alice in Wonderland is fucking garbage okay the thing and the thing about it again this is i and you know i'm a big on this is if something should work or it's close to working i get angrier again johnny depp is in there do you got tim burton the pieces should work you've got tim burton doing what is inherently one of the most dark like children's fairy tale yeah like it's it should work on every level it should work but the changes they make to the story, one, don't make any sense. It's just like, hey, how much more screen time can we give Johnny Depp for no reason? 
whatsoever. Right. And then what? How can we use these same characters and do like an abysmal American horror story esque revamp of this? story. It's like, what if this were a season of Once Upon a Time and just as shitty? That's kind of how the movie felt to me. <coughs> God, that is true. Alice in Wonderland, Once Upon a Time, but shittier. Don't watch uh, it. Don't, do not did watch Did you ever it. see the sequel? I know it's not the Tim Burton one, but did you ever see the sequel to Alice in Wonderland? I did, and it's also shitty. And unfortunately, it, I think it might be the property because the director of it is somebody I like, James Bobbin directed get him to the greek oh right yeah i I do like that guy uh he also directed a ton of the flight of the concords stuff yeah um and he directed the reboot of the muppet movies with jason siegel oh those were real good or which i love was real good the first one was real good he also directed the sequel which i did not care for but the first one with jason siegel in it it should have been funnier the first one with jason siegel it was pretty oh, it's a good. It Muppet felt it, it felt like an old school Muppet movie. Yep, it was a perfect Muppet movie. It was exactly what it needed to be. Uh, but oh yeah, man, fuck but Alice the man that oh god damn, it's just so bad. It's like well, I tried to rewatch it uh, earlier earlier this year because it was just on a streaming service and we found it, and I could I couldn't make it all the way through it. I rarely turn off a movie if I'm not digging it, but man, that one I couldn't even get through. God, speaking of turning off a movie. I walked out of his next movie in the theater. Dark Shadows? Dark Shadows, I got up halfway through the movie and left. Really? I still, to this day, have not seen the second half of Dark Shadows. I would tell you what happens in it, but I don't remember it. I've seen it, but I don't remember at all what happens. Once again, Johnny Depp. Surprise fucking surprise. In the lead role of Barnabas Collins... All I know is he's a vampire, something about a witch's curse, something about a soap opera-esque story. It's like, yeah, a British soap opera that it, that was a was TV show. That, yeah. Not I good, don't know. man. Uh, you know, maybe somebody out there can make a case to us for Dark Shadows, but I have yet to have anyone make a case to me that convinces me to go back and rewatch it. Because Not I... <laughs> Again, it's a vampire story. All the pieces. Nicole Kid is Nicole Kidman. She's in it, right? Yeah. Um, it, all I the pieces so. should work. She's Eva a good Green actress. Is in it. Chloe yeah, I like Grace her. Moretz is in it. I like her. Again, like the pieces are there. But the, one, this is not something that ever should have been adapted. Like an obscure vampire British horror comedy from the seventies. I don't think that needs a big screen adaptation. It just, yeah, this one, I just muddled the whole way through. Like, the story didn't work. He tried to cram too much in there. You couldn't get associated or really Lots feel of CG any of the characters. Again. Back to the CG. Man, starting with Alice, uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland, Char- uh, Alice in Wonderland, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, this, too much CGI. So next up, he did another okay movie. The next one, another claymation movie. We get Frank and Weenie. I liked Frank and Weenie. Now, this was the one that got him fired originally from Disney. He just ma- remade it again. And I think Disney distributed it, which is the biggest, like, decades fuck later you. fuck you that I can think of. <coughs> I Totally. I, I, well, one, I have an affinity for Claymation. You can kind of almost put any Claymation oh, movie agreed. in front of me, and I'm going to be like, all right, cool. I'll rewatch Box Trolls. Why not? Like, sure. I, I'll, I'm totally fine with it. 
I just like the Frankenweenie story. I like that he did it claymation in black and white. I thought that was neat. Um, I dig. I mean, it was it's mediocre, is what I'll say. Frankenweenie yeah. is a perfectly fine movie. It's not one that I would consider one of his best, but it's fine. Next to Dark Shadows and Alice in Wonderland is fucking Citizen Kane, though. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now I will. I have to admit, the next one I have not seen. Okay, which one? Uh, oh, is that 2014's Big Eyes? Big Eyes. I did see Big Eyes. And fine. It's a good movie, but it doesn't feel like a Tim Burton movie. Christoph Waltz, all. Amy Adams. I mean, it's a good story. It's it's the the CGI, like the eyes and stuff, and some of the fantasy sequences that he does are fine. It is a fine movie, like, but it does not feel. It is the least Tim Burtony of all of his movies. Like it, does, if you didn't know Tim Burton directed it, no one could convince you that he did after watching it. Oh, that's fair. Like you just wouldn't think that it's just. It feels like they just hired someone off the shelf, you know, just like, hey, you, direct this movie, it's got a good script. But as of his other 2000s-era movies, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. That's the thing. It kind of is doing itself a favor by not being a Tim Burton movie, because then it kind of be like, oh, well, this is a good, a good movie, I like this. And you're like, sure. oh, who directed it? Oh, wow, okay. Like, it, it does itself a favor by not being a Tim Burton movie because sure. you can kind of just forget that, oh, yeah, this one is a standout. Sure. Now, uh, the next one I definitely did see, and it is garbage. 2016's Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Here's another one that absolutely should have worked. Again, the pieces were there. Now, uh, Amanda actually read these books and okay. she was so mad at this movie. She hated it so much because of just, like, the way they changed the books and the way that it didn't even live anywhere near up to the story. And what the fuck is Samuel L. Jackson doing in this movie? What is he doing in this movie? Seriously, what the fuck is happening with Samuel L. Jackson in this movie? I don't know. <laughs> I'm it asking is, you. What is happening with Samuel Jackson? I don't know, man. Like, this was one I have seen it, but I could literally tell you nothing about it except for there's a scene where a girl almost floats away and someone catches them or something. Yeah. I feel like Samuel Jackson ended up in this movie because he, like, took a wrong turn when he was heading to set for Snakes on a Train, the sequel to Snakes <laughs> on a Plane. And... <laughs> Suddenly, they just, like, threw him in the makeup chair and put a fright wig on him. They're like, you're in this movie now. And he's like, what the fuck am I doing in this movie? I'm Samuel L. Jackson. What's up and with all like, these oh, spooky-ass children? I, I'm in, like, every movie, so I may as well be in this one. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, not much to say. And honestly, not anything to say about the his last movie, which is 2019's Dumbo. That is sucked. dumb, bro. That is dumb, bro. That, that movie that sucks, movie dude. Sucks. Talk so, about a why shit does it ton suck of CG. So bad? I don't oh, know. Oh man, I don't don't even get me started on the CG in that movie. It is one, it's 90% CG, which is a problem on its face. Um but man, I I why does it suck so much, Q? I think mainly because they tried to do a, re a shitty retelling of the original Dumbo and then also shoehorn in a sequel to Dumbo in the kind same of. movie. And then and then Tim Burton's <coughs> like, hey, what if I made fun of capitalist Disney? 
in my capitalist Disney merchandise yeah. movie. And also, let's throw an armless Colin Farrell in there for good measure. Why not? That makes sense. I'm surprised it wasn't Johnny Depp. For sure. That is the one thing. Johnny Depp, nowhere to be found. In He's actually the voice of Dumbo. It was like right after Dark Shadows, he was like, you know what, Johnny, we need a break. <laughs> it's not It's not me. It's, it's you. It's you. It's definitely you. It's not you. you. It's the scripts. It's your movies. Right, right. Um, yeah, Dum- so man, uh, we, we took Emma to see Dumbo, and we were like, okay, you know, it's Tim Burton. The Disney live-action remakes haven't really been super grand and awesome, but maybe... Maybe Carnival, Danny DeVito, um, maybe, maybe. We went in with, like, maybe hopes. And, like, four minutes into this movie, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. I don't want any part of this. <laughs> yeah, this movie is garbage. 2000s, not kind to Tim Burton. Man, like, like you said, there's a couple standouts, and then there's a couple mediocre ones. But once you hit Y2K... You know, the world may not have ended, but Tim Burton's, like, movie career did. Totally. And hey, But here's what you got to say. As much as people want to shit on Tim Burton, and as much as I want to help them, because his current oeuvre is garbage, I will say this. Tim Burton had more hit movies, like, per career than a fuck ton of directors have ever had. Like, this dude consistently made good movies... From the mid '80s to the '90s, like, like that, and that's not—that's nothing to shake a stick at, guys. We're about to get to a list here, and I just counted them. He's made what I would consider like 19 legitimate, like full-length feature films. Yeah, I would say 11 or 12 of them are good. Are good, <laughs> and five, five to eight of them are fantastic. Those percentages are impressive. It just happens to be that his latest streak and what we currently have in our cultural memory are the shitty ones. But if you take it as a whole, man, he's batting more than most directors. That's what I'm saying. This dude had a prolific career. Yeah. Like, of hits. So, uh, so let's stop yakking about it and let's list. No more yakking. Get to listing. This is where we make a list. The list. Three, two. List. All right. So here we are. It's full on Tim Burton hot topic list time. All right. So we can throw out most of the ones from the 2000s immediately, except for Big Fish. I would agree. Big Fish for me needs to be on the list. Okay. So I'm going to just put it there as a placeholder because it's definitely on the list in the movie. Um, but right now, we won't worry about placement. It's just there. God. I also think Beetlejuice has to be on there. I mean, Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands, for me, are two musts. I, I can't imagine a top five Tim Burton list without those on there. Yep. I'm thinking Batman Returns over Batman. Because I only want, yeah, I only want one Batman on the list, and I think you and I have both already played our hands that we like Returns better. And then the real question is, Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Okay, so here here's the big question is, we need one more. We have, you know, five. We have four right now. And what we have that I would consider in the runnings is we have <coughs> Mars Attacks, we have Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and we have Ed Wood. 
and I am really torn because Ed Wood is a personal favorite of mine, but I think that he's made more of an impact with some of the others. Mars Attacks is so its own thing that I kind of want to make a case for it. But like you said, Pee-wee's, it, it's directorial debut. It's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It's hard. Like, I'm torn between those three. I will help you narrow it down a bit. Uh, Mars Attacks, I figure, let's throw out. I would rather have it be between Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Ed Wood. Oh, Lord. Uh, I think they're both just better movies. Well, here, um, and here, okay. And I w- so for me, if I'm saying which of those two movies I'm more likely to watch and return to... It's going to be Ed Wood. That's me. Okay. I imagine. I would say that's fair. Also, it gives a <coughs> variance to the different types of films that he makes on this list. Yeah. So it kind of is uh, in his biopic pseudo biopic category. We have this and Big Eyes, and Ed Wood's way bigger than Big Eyes. Yeah. I okay. So let's go. Let's go. Ed Wood. Okay. Well, that one's going to be five because we yep. had to debate it. Yep. I'm going to say, say ooh, man, this one's tough because I want to put Batman Returns at like two or three. Sure. I do. I would say Batman Returns has got to be three. I'm going to say Beetlejuice is maybe two. And I'm going to be honest. I think maybe my favorite Tim Burton is Big Fish. I Big Fish I have as my number one to be, if I'm being completely honest. I think it's we've talked about it. It's his best film. It still has elements that are very Burton-esque. It's emotional. Um, it's funny. It is very it's emotional. Well scripted. It's smart. Um, so I would I would say that I am comfort I am very comfortable with Big Fish being the number one Tim Burton film. All right. Well, if that if that's what we're locking in, then here I'll read you the five that we have in the order that we have them, and let me see how you feel about it. Okay. Number five, Ed Wood. Number four. Edward Scissorhands, number three, Batman Returns, number two, Beetlejuice, and number one, Big Fish. I feel good about that list. I feel really good about that. The only thing that bums me out is that Edward Scissorhands is lower in the list than I thought it would be. I know. But I can't justify bumping either the other two down. Right. They're they're both killer movies. And for me, I think, you know, I definitely want one of the quintessential Tim Burton feel movies near the top of the list. And so Beetlejuice being up there sort of, you know, fills that hole for me. And I, I mean, come on, you just got married to that one. So number two, like exactly. It's it, gotta it, be. Needs to, it needs to be number two. So it's gotta be I am very happy with this list. And if people are looking for a definitive top five Tim Burton list, I don't think they can get better than this hot, hot Burton that we just dropped on everybody. We just dropped the steaming hot Burton on you. Uh, he dropped a steaming hot Burton on all of us in 2019 with Dumbo. I'll tell you that. He sure did. Yep. But, man, um, these five, if you're going to watch five movies from Tim Burton, ignore Dark Shadows, ignore Alice in Wonderland, ignore Miss Peregrine's and Dumbo, watch these five, and then you'll thank us. You'll realize how influential he was and how great he was. So we can all stop hating on Tim Burton. We can start loving the man again. Let's go back and watch the stuff that he was good at. And that essentially wraps up our Here Comes Halloween series. Well, Halloween's officially over, so it can't come again. It's going to be, you know, next year. Um, and I think Ooh. I think we're getting kicked out of the Hot Topic. We are. Hey, let's go over to the Christmas store 
Because it's time for some Christmas movies. Ooh, now that Halloween's over, it's, well, Thanksgiving season. But It's Christmas time! It's Christmas Christ- time! Christmas time! We have reached the end of another High Five, the podcast episode. It's time to lock up the writer's room and rest comfortably, knowing we knocked out another great list of things you should be watching. If the guys didn't mention your favorites this week in their lists, you can harass them by emailing them at myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E-T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast on twitter at high the number five the podcast instagram at high five the podcast or on letterboxd by searching high five colon the podcast don't forget to subscribe on itunes stitcher google play or wherever else you listen to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating to show us some love what's the worst that could happen Scented taint sweat? Maybe. See you next week. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.